0: It's time for our weekly GMS Focus, and this morning we want to discuss further the latest North Korean provocation. Last Friday, the reclusive regime boasted success in launching its longest-range intercontinental ballistic missile yet, with experts chiming in on the nature of the latest test. It also follows an unprecedented frequency of weapon tests this calendar year, what does this all imply, and what are some vital takeaways to better gauge the next steps? For some insight, we connect with Professor Kim Byung-ju of the Hankuk University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor Kim, and thanks for joining us.
1: Good morning. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, let's jump right into the deep end of the poll. Uh, much has been talked about last Thursday's North Korean missile launch. I do wonder, why is there such an emphasis around the latest launch, and why is it considered such a big deal?
1: The concern is whether North Korea now has a full capacity to strike the United States with its uh, nuclear weapons or not. That that is the outstanding question. Uh, countries like South Korea, Japan, uh, and uh, you know other countries in the region, uh, we have been exposed to North Korea's nuclear uh, weapons delivery capability ever since they've been developing missiles like Scud, Bukongsong, and Musudan, and all those. But uh, let's say from the the point of uh, North Korea developing Hwasong series mm. missiles. These are intercontinental ballistic missiles, unlike long-range missiles like Scud. Uh, these are uh, you know the, the the missiles that go outside of the uh, Earth hemisphere and drop from there and can travel long distance and strike the United States. And the Hwasong series uh, came in uh, in different numbers. Hwasong 12. 14, 15. Uh, 15 was the last one tested with uh, considerable confidence back in 2017. Mm. And since then, you know, we remember 2017 was the the peak of last uh, nuclear crisis before uh, Trump engaged in uh, dialogue with Kim Jong-un. So Hwasong 15 was the last one. And uh, now we believe that uh, this latest missile uh, launch uh, last Thursday, the full-scale launch, mm-hmm. was the new step forward. After that, and there have been much discussion whether this is Hwa- Hwasong 17 or not. Mm-hmm. Up until Hwasong 15, uh, Hwasong 15 can develop, uh, deliver nuclear heads uh, to all the the U.S. cities, including L.A. and Washington, and so on. And Hwasong 17 goes even further beyond and could even reach uh, Latin America. So uh, by having uh, Hwasong 17, North Korea can really have a full-range uh, ICBM delivery capability. In that case, it's not the question of whether the nuclear weapons can reach United States, but but you know how, when, and how fast, on all those things. So uh, Hwasong 17 or not has been a big question and. Mm-hmm. Over the weekend, since last Thursday's launch, over the weekend, there have been much uh, discussion about it. And uh, we hear, as of this morning, we hear reports that the military authorities of South Korea and United States seem to believe that Hwasong 17 was not exactly the one that was launched uh, last Thursday. And they uh, believe most likely it's a Hwasong 15 Hmm. that North Korea used to Hmm. fake, as if it's a Hwasong 17, new steps being uh, may, being made forward mm. uh, we hear reports like a uh, national intelligence like Korea's national intelligence disagree with it and still believe it's also 17 so it's it's not settled mm. but the question is uh, whether North Korea really made a big step forward in delivery capability or uh, no, why North Korea is trying to fake Mm. Uh, such uh, you know, big step forward at this point. Uh, th- those are the questions that we are still kind of like uh, struggling with at this
0: point. Uh, Professor Kim, whether it's fake or not, it may take a little bit more time and analysis for us to make the absolute conclusion, it seems as you've implied. But experts are also saying at this point that last Thursday's missile launch is only the beginning of a series of provocations to come. Why are we drawing such conclusions at this point?
1: Yeah, uh, because uh, a- April this year is a very, very special month. Uh, this new month marks ten year, uh, a full decade reign by Kim Jong Un mm-hmm. since he came into power mm-hmm. as as a young leader of North Korea. So, ten year means that he has to show to the North Korean people that he has achieved something. and And doing in doing so, of course, he made it clear many times in the past that he wanted to show uh, economic side progress, but he has failed continuously. He has acknowledged that as well. So. Uh, the only thing that's left is the military side, so he will have to show something uh, within this month of the uh, coming month of April mm. that his ten-year reign of North Korea has achieved something very considerable. So that's one, and another one is uh, historically speaking. Also, Kim Il Sung, the founder of North Korea, his hundred ten years uh, birthday, mm. uh, the, 태양절, the 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 mm. day of sun that's uh, april 15th that's a big big national holiday and they have to celebrate and they need something to celebrate with mm-hmm. so uh, a major step forward or like a nuclear test is a possibility in addition to this missile test mm-hmm. they're talking about as of this morning uh, restarting uh, reusing the pungeri nuclear test site pungeri mm-hmm. site is the one that was uh in, you know the destroyed during the peak of dialogue between Trump and Kim Jong-un. And, right. and a lot of people are saying all along then, they're saying, oh, this is only in gesture. They're going to get back to use their facility again. But it looks like uh, mm. we have some evidence that North Korea is getting back to using mm. that uh, facility as well. So um, right. and April, this coming April is a month that everyone has been uh, kind of like a bracing for. Mm. And uh, nuclear test as well as the additional missile test are um, quite likely at this point. And in that case, uh, what, what we know is what's coming is being added upon altogether mm. four nuclear tests under Kim Jong-un and 130 missile tests under mm. his reign so far. Okay, And uh, we know by now uh, U.S. military authorities and so, so on agree that North Korea by now has over 60 nuclear warheads and they have a capability to add six to seven of uh, additional ones every year, mm. and North Korea is now working on MIRV capability, multi-pole, uh, you know, the independent reentry vehicle capability. This can be made possible by Hwasong-17. This is where you place several warheads in one missile, mm. and as it enters, re-enters the Earth's hemisphere, uh, there are different warheads that spread targeting uh, different targets. In that case, it's really hard to, to shoot them down. Mm-hmm. So MERV is the uh, next phase they're focusing on. So the threat is ever increasing continuously.
0: Uh, I also want to take a look at the U.S. and South Korea's response in dealing with this increasing threat, it seems. The White House was quick to echo the same sentiment as before, condemned North Korea's missile launch, vowed to take all necessary steps, but open to dialogue. The The sentiment is quite similar, is it not?
1: Right, exactly, and uh, man, many experts show their frustration, saying that mm-hmm. there seems to be no real new cards left on the table to offer or you know, to to use to pressure North Korea any further. For instance, one day after last Thursday's uh, test, Friday, uh, in New York time, uh, United Nations Security Council try to uh, you know hold a meeting and. Uh, they, they even failed to come up with any kind of statements at all. That's all because two permanent uh, members of the United Nations Security Council, China and Russia, opposed uh, those moves. Right. And so in a way, uh, North Korea watchers are saying that this is perfect timing for Kim Jong-un to try these kind of things because because of what's happening in Ukraine. Russia is never going to be in a position to help the United States or take side with the United States. Right. And then China, because of its tension with the United States, uh, you know that China will make it always clear that that mm. you know you know North Korea has to remain in place and all that kind of stuff. So with two member out of P5 permanent five members of Security Council opposing this kind of measures, North North Korea they say finds the golden time for
0: mm. doing
1: whatever they want to do in developing. Um uh, testing
0: their nuclear capabilities, right. it seems. Right. It's mm-hmm. interesting that you raise those points, Professor Kim, because I heard that the United States has also once again urged China and Russia to send strong messages to North Korea to avoid more provocations. But it's very unlikely that they would be pushed and swayed by the United States at this point in time.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, continuing on the point that I just made, you know, it's been it's been almost thirty years mm-hmm. ever since North Korea. Uh, announced its uh, its uh, intention to go nuclear. 1994, I believe, was the starting point, point. and uh, since then, basically, uh, we have seen five U.S. presidents—Clinton, mm. George W. Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden—struggling mm. with uh, you know how to deal with North Korea uh, as a whole and. Uh, the current Biden policy is called the calibrated practical approach, mm. and we know this is somewhere in between or hybrid form between Obama's strategic patience on one hand and then Trump's grand bargaining, meaning that Biden wants to talk but still at the same time they don't want to rush. So that's that's the overall stance, and a lot of people see it as a real non-no attractive option or no new direction here mm-hmm. but in doing so of course as you as you asked the question of uh, china and and russia's cooperation is very very important but on the chinese side for the last 30 years mm-hmm. and through five u.s presidents everyone agrees that we have not seen any help at all coming from china mm-hmm. uh we have now learned very clearly that in principle, China does not want nuclear North Korea because when, when you are a country that possess nuclear weapons, you oppose any other country to possess nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, retain nuclear mm-hmm. weapons, because that reduces your power and everything. So in principle, mm-hmm. China is against no, nuclear North Korea. But if and when North Korea is accepted as a nuclear power, which is uh, in practice right now, uh, North Korea is taken as a nuclear power. In that case, so China's stance is that it's not that bad to have no, uh, nuclear North Korea. It's a it's a wonderful buffer zone right. and uh, barrier against the United States expansion. So China has no incentive to go or seek uh, denuclearizing. North Korea at this point. So that side of help is is not expected mm. and it was never materialized for the last 30 years.
0: We have a new incoming government to be led by conservative Yoon Song yar uh, What are some of the lessons we may draw from the experience of the Moon government's Korean Peninsula peace process policy of the past five years?
1: Based on my experience of working for Kim Dae-jung government uh, 20-something years ago, I do firmly believe that we have to try things and at that time when Kim Dae-jung government tried sunshine policy i was a firm believer of that policy i still still do believe firmly that we had to try that out Mm. see whether it works and uh, we learned that it didn't work at Mm. that time Mm. and and same thing when moon government uh, began introducing this uh, peace process policy i was not exactly in support of it but now looking back i think we had to try it and see whether it works and Looks like it doesn't work uh, this time either. And uh, basically what uh, happened was what we learned was in Hanoi, when the talk finally broke down between Trump and Kim Jong-un, we learned what North Korea had in mind was that they they were willing to give up some of the nuclear weapons and then wanted to seek full lifting of all the economic sections mm. and wanted to come back to the world stage as a normal state with their nuclear capability, parts Mm. of their nuclear capability preserved. Uh, Mm. You know, like once you have a nuclear weapon, you're a nuclear weapon state, whether you have a full scale facilities or partial state, you you have nuclear bombs. There's no real big difference. But North Korea wanted that. And we learned that's what North Korea uh, tried to seek. And that was not something that was going to work. So we, we learned the lesson. And so at this point, I guess uh, you know the the Moon's government policy, uh, even though it was a genuine effort, did not really work out well. So, uh, Yun, the incoming Yun government is have to is in a position to find uh, new policies going forward based on. Lessons and non-lessons of the last 30 years. At this point, and and uh, I guess my sense is the what experts seem to agree at the moment is that now since we have tried the dialogue with North Korea, this time what we have to try is uh, based on the lesson that dialogue-seeking uh, posture and then uh, what critics call peace-begging posture doesn't work at this point. So mm. we have to focus on deterrence. Mm. Uh, you know, making sure that nuclear-armed North Korea does not make their moves that they want, which means we have to have a counterbalance here, counter-capability to strike back mm. North Korea, whatever mm. it does, mm. and that's going to be something that probably what the UN government will have to focus, uh, having enough capability to strike back, and so that so that North Korea will not ever uh, feel like uh, mm. they have chance for winning. Uh, by using or threatening uh, using nuclear weapons going forward.
0: In fact, that's how South Korea responded last week, right, to that ICBM test, a a, a rather quick response, saying that we do have capabilities to deter North Korea. Uh, Thank you very much, Professor Kim, for such an early morning talk. We hope to speak to you again soon.
1: Thank you very much.